so we come to Gemini. We've done Aries, Taurus, and now Gemini, the twins. What themes of Gemini do we have in the Bible in the uh, fourth to sixth chapter of Mark? Themes of duality, man with a legion, the Tunis, <laughs> Gemini, Geminian, um, the flow of blood and the cure of Jairus' daughter, the apostles sent out in twos, uh, Herod's uh, vacillation. So, and here they are, short journeys, has to do with the third house of, of astrology. Uh, siblings and relationships, of course. Well, that's Gemini, and we're going to see this in the Gospel. Indecision and communication. Now, I'm, I'm really just picking the, the choice bits here because I've, I've got the whole thing to go through. Uh, so it's probably going to take about a half an hour, but I, and I want to discuss many, many other things. I don't want to just uh, discuss the Gospel of Mark, showing that Mark starts in Aries with the baptism and Pisces with the, the death. Okay? The sign of the cross. So, uh, Gemini, there are a few details in the story which underline its Geminian theme. The word for the storm used by Mark is Laelot. But Laelot is also the name of the hound of Acteon in Greek mythology, a name associated with the constellation Canis Major, one of the deacons of Gemini. Right? So Jesus tells the storm to cease with the word Siopa, be quiet, echoing the Spartan name for Gemini, Tosio, and the cushion upon which Jesus' head was resting along, believed to be a detail provided by Peter, echoes the headgear of the Geminian twins or the flames of fire which were supposed to issue from their heads. So that's basically, basically the themes of those chapters dealing with um, these uh, extrazodiacal signs. There's um, Gemini there, Canis Major, um, Canis Menor, and Lepus, the hair, which, which is what the, the fourth chapter of uh, Mark deals with. Okay. Uh, there's also the incident of the Legion, who, um, who says, my name is Legion, and for we are many. That has to do with the, uh, the duality aspect of Geminian. Okay? Let's see if there are some other points in Gemini, some good points that I want to... Okay, well, let's go to uh, this miracle of the uh, Jarius and the woman with the blood flush. So... After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithakumi, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk and she was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to tell anyone about this, and told them to give us something to eat. Well, uh, this incident happened immediately after Jesus was touched by a woman who had a, a flow of blood, which was for 12 years. So Jairus' daughter was 12 years old, and the other incident, immediately before that, 
had to do with 12 years, indicating uh, a twin parable. Okay. The most obviously Germanian feature of Dur the story of Darius's daughter is the way in which it is told. It is the only miracle story in the Gospels which combines two quite separate elements. Uh, elements. Nehemiah writes, "What we have here is without precise parallels in the Gospel, an incident broken into by another incident which takes place in the middle of it." Right. In addition, however, we should consider the name Jarius, Yarios, which means appropriately Jehovah enlightened, but which also bears more than a passing resemblance to the name of the brightest star in the night sky, Sirius, Serios, the dog star, which is found in Canis Major. Right, that's where Sirius is in the dog star. Um, one of the Dominion deacons, and whose name means the chief one, the leader, Jarius, we are told, uh, the leader or ruler of the synagogue. And as Ptolemy reminds us, the heliacal rising of Sirius at the summer solstice presaged the beginning of the Egyptian New Year and the flooding of the Nile. Thus, concerning, uh, thus connecting this star with the constant menstruating, constantly menstruating woman. In addition to being a possible zodiacal reference, Mark's double use of the number 12 provides us with further evidence that we are meant to link the two females and that this double story is not just a narrative accident. The woman with the flow, the blood flow, has been sick for 12 years. The little girl is 12 years old. The constant, the contrast between the girl and the older woman reflects two of the deacons of Gemini, Canis Major and Canis Menor. Okay, and there's also the mention of Sodom and Gomorrah, the twin cities, in Mark 6.11. Okay? Now, I have to apologise because this is sort of a little bit sort of dull and boring because it's real nitty-gritty names of stars and everything like this. And this guy's done a lot of homework and it's a beautiful, exquisite book the way he's put it together. And he's mixed astrology with astronomy, with astrotheology and beautiful metaphysical themes. It's just such a rich book. I wish I could just spend the whole, you know, four hours on this. But I am just have to fly through it. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm just going to really fly through because we've only done three, three of those uh, signs, okay? Um, but there's some real, oh, look, there's some real obvious ones. Cancer is um, <clears throat> themes of uh, nurture, the motherliness of the cancer sign with the moon in it, um, food and stomach concerns, uh, etc. Well, that's all in there. Um, the boat is in Cancer, the boat Argo. So Argo is the ship that is up here, you see, and that is, according to the Venerable Bee, um, that is the Ark of Noah. And interesting that um, two deacons of Gemini are Canis Major and Canis Minor. The two deacons of uh, Cancer are Ursa Major and Ursa Minor. And Noah, in his boat, on top of Mount Ararat, brought in animals two of two. The only place where two of occur in the whole zodiac is right where, right here where Argo is in the constellation of Cancer. 
So you have cancer here. Argo, the ship. Ursa Minor, Ursa Major. In Gemini, you have Canis Major and Canis Minor. And so, and there's, and there's, um, and there's the ship right there, bringing in the twos and the twos. Okay. Now, I, I didn't make that up. You want to read the uh, the Venerable Bede's, uh, and he was uh, from the sixth century, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, um, and it also there is the incident in the Cancer sector where Jesus talks to the Syrophoenician woman about um, not giving. Uh, children's food to the dogs. Well, that would be because can it, the, um, the dogs are over here. Uh, in fact, Marcus Manilius, he mentions in this book, Marcus Manilius places one of the dogs, Procyon, in the sector of Cancer and not Gemini, as modern astrologers do. So there's the Cancer in the Gospel. Uh, Leo. Leo. Let's have a good look at Leo, Virgo, and Libra. In Leo, as I've discussed before in my astrotheology uh, presentation, there's Cancer, there's Leo, and there's uh, Libra. Um, on the 6th of August, which happens uh, right about here, the middle of the hottest part of the year, on the 6th of August, the Catholic Church calls that day the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. The 6th of August. It's the middle of Leo. It's the middle of summer. It would be, and the dog uh, Sirius is behind the sun, so you've got like, the dog days. There's a famous painting by Raphael. This is very famous. And there's Jesus Christ at the transfiguration. And there's... Um, the, his apostles there, and they saw, um, I think it's uh, Moses and, and Elijah. Okay, so let's have a listen. Let's have a look at and see how how um, Mark ties that in with the uh, the sign of Leo. So on a journey to Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asks his disciples, "Who do you say that I am?" The text goes on. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Well, Jesus takes them to an unusually high mountain. And that's the unusually high mountain. And uh, it says, six days, six days after, in fact, I'll read that from the Bible. This is too, uh, too good to be lost. Uh, here's uh, Mark uh, chapter 9. So you see, it's, it's going to be dealing with the transfiguration and the glory. So all these themes are dealt with in, uh, in Mark chapter 8 and chapter 9 in the Leo sector of the Gospel of Mark. Okay? Mark 9 verse 2. Six days later, right? Remember, the 6th of August is the transfiguration day. And they're giving you a hint. Six days later... Uh, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain where he could be alone, where they could be alone by themselves. There, in their presence, he was transfigured. His clothes became dazzlingly, dazzlingly white, whiter than any earthly bleacher could make them. 
Elijah appeared to them with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. There you have it. Elijah and Moses, Peter, Andrew and James on the mountain six days after he was transfigured. Well, that's the sixth of August. I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's really blatant. When you know what you're looking for and you're reading the Gospels and you know the stars that are there and what they do and what they mean, you can't mistake this. There is no excuse for churchgoers to start going, oh, yeah, but that's just, you're looking into it. It's not. It is there. And if you're not seeing it, it's because you're not looking. Simple as that. Now, let's see if I can chug along a little bit more. Um, interesting. We have another similar painting by Titian, around about the same time as the Raphael. That's the Virgin. And the Assumption of the Virgin, Virgin on the 15th of August, just a, a week after the Transfiguration. Wonder what's going on. Well, that would be the sun in Leo, because he rules in Leo and he's transfigured in Leo. Um, Virgo, uh, I made a big mistake before, didn't I? That's Virgo, not Libra. Libra is here. In Leo. Um, Virgo, uh, I made a big mistake before, didn't I? That's Virgo, not Libra. Libra is here. Yeah, I confused you, didn't I? <laughs> um, Virgo, on the 15th of August, disappears behind the sun. That's the assumption of the Virgin. Because on the 8th of September, over here, she gets reborn again, doesn't she? That's the nativity. Because she reappears. You see, when the sun is in a sign, the sign disappears. You can't see it because, well, for instance, we're in, um, today is the 13th of November. That's Scorpio territory. Now it's, uh, what's the time? It's two o'clock. So the sun is above us. Behind the sun is the scorpion. You, you cannot see it in November. It's gone. And so that's why the Virgin Mary ascends and then she's born again. The nativity of the Virgin. Yeah, it's all, and it's all on cue. It's, it's um, all right, let's see what uh, Virgo has. Virgo has uh, teaching about humility, little children, warning against passivity and service. Because uh, the sixth house, uh, or, or Virgo, Virgoans are very service-oriented. It's the sign of service. Okay, so in the gospel, Jesus is talking about service serve one another, etc. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and servant of all. So there's the theme of service. Uh, if anyone causes one of these little ones, who those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. So that's also Virgo and theme. All right, let's move on. Let's, I know I'm going to regret taking chunks out of this because there are so many good points, but I, you just can't. All I can do is show you some choice bits, and if the subject interests you, I would be getting this book. Um, it's just phenomenal. Okay, Libra. 
The entry of the sun into Libra marks The entry of the sun into Libra marks the autumnal equinox in the northern hemisphere when day and night are equal once again. This is the midpoint of the year, the moment of equilibrium, when the forces symbolized by the day and the night are in perfect counterpoise. This has happened before, of course, when the sun entered Aries in the springtime. But there is a difference between these opposite but complementary point, points. At the spring equinox, the point of poise occurs before the daylight begins to dominate. In the autumn, this is reversed, and the balance point presages the forthcoming massing of the darkness. The eternal interplay of light and darkness is symbolized by in the zodiac itself, which on one level is nothing more than the yearly cycle projected on the sky. The first six signs then come under the dominion of daylight. The first six signs come under the dominion of daylight. <coughs> uh, and can be said to represent the light of individual consciousness struggling to establish its identity. This process is associated with the sun, the giver of light. It begins in Aries, the sign of the sun's exaltation, and reaches its climax in sun-ruled Leo. The signs which follow the autumnal equinox, however, are characterized by the gathering darkness and have to do with the group to which individuality has to be incorporated, if not submerged. These are social signs uh, which begin with Libra, the sign of the sun's fall, or depression, and which reach their point of maximum power in Aquarius, the sign in modern astrological jargon of the sign's detriment. Uh, sorry, the sun's detriment. Interesting. <clears throat> in ancient Egypt, Libra was associated with Mars, the goddess of cosmic harmony and justice, whose special task was to weigh the hearts of the dead on the scales of justice balanced against an ostrich feather and she is usually depicted with a feather in her headdress those who failed her test were heavy-hearted those who passed light-hearted among the greeks notably hipparchus libra was eugos the yoke the very word used by matthew in a passage immediately following jesus declaration that god has revealed the secrets of the kingdom to infants Mark uses a word from the same root, Sunzelgumi. I hope I got that right. <laughs> when he writes, What God has joined, yoked together, let no man separate, separate. So, Hipparchus called this sign the yoke, and Mark is talking about the yoke of marriage. Right on cue with Libra. But there's a lot more. We're going to show... Uh, see that in a minute among the jews the tribe of issachar described in jacob's blessing as a strong ass crouched down between two burdens is generally associated with libra the glyph the glyph of libra what's that that's the sun setting because this is a 24-hour clock too of course remember 
Remember, on the 21st of March and, and September, the sun is balanced, right? It's perfectly balanced. So, on that day, and only on that day, or those two days rather, does the sun rise at 6am and set at 6pm. Only on those two days. Okay? So, so 6 o'clock goes here, 12, 6 and 12. This is a daily cycle and it's a yearly cycle. And of course during the day there is more light than during the night. Just like there is more light in summer than there is in winter. So those two cycles are described by this, by this graph. Uh, but here, this is the middle point. This is the point where in the human body, um, Libra is the kidneys. So the sine wave is going through the body in the, um, in the scale of the balance. You see the sun setting there? Okay, when you look at that, so that sun's signal that it sends yearly and daily, fractally goes through our body. In many, many fractals. It goes through the atoms, it goes through everything. It's the same fractal. This, it, this is the wheel, this is the cycle, this is what is going on all the time. Right? Uh, and the sun's telling you that. The sun, the sun tells us that in its path of the ecliptic. The ecliptic runs straight through our body. That's the ecliptic. So as above, so below. So when the sun is in Aries, it's in the head. When it's in Taurus, it's in this part. What does that mean? Well, it means it's, it's giving its polarity to that part of your physical body. So it'll, it'll, it'll manifest physically. Usually taurines have got nice strong necks. It shows in the neck. It actually shows. Um, but it also shows with their ruling planet Venus, you know. Um, it also shows in, you know, spiritual and psychological things too. Um, philosophers, many philosophers. As I showed last week in the presentation on astrology, uh, are taurine. Most of the famous uh, philosophers in history are taurine because they want to speak. You know, it, that's where the sun is. Geminians uh, are in the, in the lungs and in, and in the arms. You see the way they use their arms, etc., etc. So that's the part of the ecliptic. And it's defining everything. Wherever the sun makes that signal, practically, which is everywhere, it defines the, the body that it, that it gives life to. All right? and, and, and the sun and the, and the six planets, the, the seven visible orbs, they are responsible for all of it. And you'll find that Mark, the Gospel of Mark, is clearly showing us um, encrypted, beautiful encrypted wisdom about that cycle. It's clearly there. It is absolutely clearly there. Let's have a look at Libra, shall we? Now, I want to focus... This chart comes from the book, comes straight out of the book, and I want to focus on these three signs here, okay? Leo has three deacons, Virgo three deacons, Libra has three deacons, okay? Um, the first one is Hydra, the fleeing serpent. 
Crater is the cup, the holy grail that we drink from when we come down from cancer and we get intoxicated. The crater is always here. Uh, Corvus, and it's explained in the book that Corvus is also the crow, right? Uh, sorry, the, 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 uh, the cock, the rooster. Okay? Virgo has Coma, Centaurus, the horse, uh, Bootes, the shepherd, and Libra has Crooks, the cross, the southern cross, um, the wolf, the wolf of the night, and the crown. That would be the crown of thorns. So what's going on is this. Remember that, that point of equilibrium? There she is. The just one, balancing the day perfectly. And there's the southern cross where the sun gets crucified. This is the big crucifixion, by the way. This is the one where the sun is plunged into the darker polarity. So that's big judgment. In fact, that day there is called judgment day by the Jews. Okay? And there's a lot of other reasons why it's judgment. I mean, the Egyptians, when you die, they call it westing. Because you're going down in the west where the sun sets. And the stars, when they go beyond the horizon, they die. They're born in the east. There they die. So this is the place of death. Libra is always there at 6 p.m. every day, judging stars and sun. Every planetary orb is judged by the scales. You see, this is the science that we, we, were, we were given, the hermetic science of the Prisca Theologia. And uh, the priestcraft has made a mess of it teaching literal rubbish stories about it. You know, like Humpty Dumpty is a real egg. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, sounds like a Monty Python skit, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, there's the crown. Uh, crown. It's also in uh, Libra, Corona. By the way, I'll just show you them here. Uh, let's do this. Leo in the heart, and the, the main star there is Corleone. And you remember the godfather, Corleone? Corleone is the heart of the line, the core of the line, Corleone. Uh, and, and that's the main star there in Leo, because Leo is in the heart. The sun lives in the heart, the middle kingdom. Okay? The three planets, the masculine ones are above, and the three feminine ones are below here, the, the three lower chakras. Okay? So when you're dealing with Leo, you've got Hydra, the serpent, the crater, the holy grail, the cup, and the crow. Um, Virgo has the, the horse. Pay attention because all of these nine deacons are spelled out in the Gospel of Mark around about the time of the sun passing through Libra. Okay? Uh, Coma Bernices with her hair. Bootes, her husband, Joseph, that's Mary, Virgin Mary and Joseph, the shepherd. He's the shepherd, but it's Joseph. And he has a red star, Arcturus. That's the, um, that's the bear. In the northern hemisphere, see these northern stars? The brightest star is Arcturus. All right? You see the California flag with the bear and the red star above it? That's the bear. Right? He rules the northern sky. There's the crown, Corona Borealis. That's the crown, the thorns that the sun wears as it goes through Libra and gets crucified. 
that's the cross that he's crucified on. And the wolf, the other word for that sign is the victim. The victim is the son. Gets judged at the scale, crown of thorns, there's the cross. Here is the shepherd. As you'll see, I'll, I'll, we'll go through that, etc. What happens there in Libra, the son gets judged to go down to hell. There's the wolf there, the victim, dies on a cross, gets a crown of thorns. Before that, in the gospel, this is, these are the chapters. So you can see chapter 16, 14, 14, 11, 11, 14, 15, 15, 15. Um, so it, it's carrying those, the themes around about that part of the gospel where it would be. Um, so the fleeing serpent is where Jesus defeats death. The cup is, he took the cup in chapter 14, verse 23. There's the cup, the son takes the cup because the son gets intoxicated now. Got Jesus is getting intoxicated, takes the cup. Um, and before the cock crows three times, that, that's mentioned in 1430. Uh, and there's the, the, the crow on cue. Coma, the infant, the branch, the desired one. And others cut down branches. Blessed is he. So as Jesus came in procession to be crucified, they cut down branches. Well, that's the branches of uh, coma. Uh, Centaurus, Jesus enters Jerusalem on a colt. There's a colt here. The centaur is, belongs to Virgo. The, the centaur and the southern cross is right over here, okay? So they are closely connected, those two constellations. There's also two cults over here, remember? I don't know whether you remember, but there's the Athenellus Borealis and Athenellus Australis in Gemini when Jesus comes into Jerusalem to be crucified. Well, this is what he's doing. There are four crucifixions. But this one's the big judgment one. Okay, there's the cult that he enters. He enters on a cult. The great shepherd, I will smite the shepherd. That's in Mark 14, 27. Um, and then the, the cross, as I've already shown in those graphs, the cross, the victim, and the crown. These are all things to do with the crucifixion. There's some, some choice stuff in this book. For instance, uh, in Capricorn, it talks about Saturday, because Saturn rules Capricorn. And it says the Jewish Sabbath is Saturday, Saturn's day, we noted earlier that Judaism was born when the equinoctial point entered the constellation Aries. And there is no doubt that Aryan imagery of rams, goats, sheep, sacrifices and circumcision play a major role in the liturgical practices of Judaism. But the other cardinal signs, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn, feature prominently in the development of Judaism. Libra, the polar opposite of Aries, the sign of covenant and law, Cancer, the sign of home and diet and mother, Capricorn, the sign of duty, service, social responsibility, and the father, see, mother, moon, Capricorn, father, Saturn. And, and when you do your houses, you'll find that the fourth house is dealing with mother, right? And the tenth house with honours and duty and service and, and authority and prestige and father, because Saturn is the father. You see the polarities. We have to work out the polarities in all of this to understand the science. Once you start doing that, you can navigate through all of these books. You can read the Upanishads, you can read the Eddas, whatever, and you'll know what you're talking about, man. The characters are always the same. In the Bible, the characters are always the seven heroes. 
the seven that go manifesting, the Elohim. And they manifest in the space of 12. While Libra is the sign which symbolizes the law's origin. And why? Well, because Libra is always to do with judgment and law. This is law. You know, when you get your heart weighed on that scale in Libra, while Libra is in the sign which symbolizes the law's origin and purpose, Capricorn symbolizes its operation and enforcement, legalism. Concern for the letter of the law is therefore Capricornian. Similarly, while Christianity is a Piscean religion, it also relates clearly to the other mutable signs. Now get this, right? Christianity is saying is, is a uh, Piscean religion, but it also relates to the other signs. Sagittarius, uh, Gemini, and um, Virgo. How? Well, uh, Virgo, Gemini, and Sagittarius. <clears throat> it's, it, its emphasis on virginity and celibacy are the Gowans. Its elaborate and divisive theology is Geminian, as are the letters which constitute a good portion of the Christian scriptures. And its missionary zeal and sacerdotalism are Sagittarian. Simple as that. All right, look, there's a lot of choice stuff in here, and uh, I'm afraid I'm just going to have to uh, leave it, because we're going on to some more stuff. Let's have a look at some science now, a little bit. Let's have a look at some F words, shall we? There's the S. We've got... Uh, <clears throat> serpent spiral, and sine wave, right? Now, the serpent is also a septenary. Those words are interchangeable in the mythology. In fact, they have the same root word. And spiral also has to do with spirit. And sine wave has to do with sin, okay? These are the six S words that we need to nut out and understand in order to, to get all this. Because you've got to bring in the metaphysics and you've got to bring in the, uh, the, uh, the intention of the priesthood into this science. They didn't do this to, um, you know, entertain themselves on the, on the weekends. They did this so that many, many layers of wisdom would be found in, the, in their holy works. And that way they would sort out, you know, the people from the, 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 the courtyard of the Gentiles, right? Gentiles basically meaning people who are not really spiritual, serious. Not serious. You know, pagans, or that's, in fact that's what they used to call pagans, and that's very derogatory because it, it, it shouldn't mean anything bad. Um, but the Romans used to say, oh, the hillbilly pagan. Pagano meant someone who lived out in the, out in the sticks. You know, country hick. So that's why it's derogatory, but it isn't. Their worship was based on this. Um, but um, those levels were put in there so that he who has ears and eyes to see would look deeper and dig deeper. That's why it's called esoteric or occult, the Prisca theology. Because... You know, you ain't going to just give it to someone who um, abuses that information. It's like you're giving, a, you know, a $1,000 um, iPhone to your 